to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 10th of January 2016, entitled A Mighty Man of Valour, and the Bible reading is taken from Judges chapter 6, verse 12. It's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We'll begin with uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. I invite you to stand to honour the reading of God's holy word. Again, Judges chapter 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Father, we thank you again this evening for the privilege to be in your house. Lord, for the privilege of having your word before us. Lord, for your spirit that lives within us. And we pray now, Lord, that in these next moments that you'll take and Speak to our hearts in a way that only you can. Lord, we pray that you'd use this time, use your servant, use it wisely, Lord. Help us to be receptive to all that you would have for us. Help us, Lord. Help us to glorify and honor you in all that we say and all that we do. We give you all the praise, all the thanks, all the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, with our thoughts last week in this, the first part of what this angel that happens to be Gideon, as we'll see here, that he is speaking to in this passage. And there are a lot of things that could be said about the angel of the Lord, but most of the time it's not too much doubt at all. When the Old Testament speaks of the angel of the Lord, it's speaking of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And here, as the angel of the Lord appears unto Gideon, he says, first of all, the Lord... And that is all capitals there. That is Jehovah God. The Lord Jehovah God is with thee. And we've looked at that a lot. We looked at this morning that God would never leave us, that he would never forsake us, that that's where that uh, we, uh, his, the power of his presence within us, that uh, we could have the, uh, uh, the strength and the courage and, uh, that we need to get through the things that God uh, brings us, our lives into on his, his path for each and every one of us. The Lord is with thee, but what I want you to note particularly this evening is what he calls him, thou mighty man of valor. Thou mighty man of valor. Now, what is it about this man Gideon that earned him such a salutation by the Lord, mighty man of valor? Of course, mighty is pretty self-explanatory, man of might strength, power. He's calling this man a a man that has sheer strength and power. But what about that word valor? Mighty man of valor. A man of power and strength, but he's a man of valor. What does valor mean? You know, even today sometimes, especially uh, after uh, those that have served on the battlefield, sometimes they will be awarded medals for their valor that they uh, has been, uh, I guess, uh, through whatever it is that they have come through that has, has stood out and that should be recognized. What is valor? Well, valor is bravery, courage, it's fortitude. We find that this one called Gideon here, is, he's being addressed as one that is mighty and powerful that is fearless in the face of that which he should fear, a brave man that has this strength and power. So what brings that about? Well, 
We've got to keep in mind, of course, that God knows everything about everybody, past, present, and future. He knew everything that there was to know about this one called Gideon, and in light of what he knows of this man, his past, present, and future, he says that he is a mighty man of valor. Why? Why would God say that about him? Well, let's back up and just read a few verses and get the setting and see if if we can come up with what God has told us here because there's no point for us to, to speculate God in heaven. I mean, here, it's an honor. It might be the queen. It might be a president. It might be someone of, of great political power that awards someone a medal of valor for what they have done. But this is God himself that is awarding this man the title of one that is mighty and that is a man of valor. Why would he do that? Because I can promise you as we look here, Gideon was not a leader at this point. There was nothing promising about his outward appearance whatsoever. As a matter of fact, he was a very undistinguished person coming from the tribe of Manasseh, which was a divided tribe anyway. It says that he came from a poor family. We find that if we go back and read exactly what's taking place here, it says, and the children of Israel, beginning in verse 1, did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. Now, often this was the case. Israel would be taught their lessons. They would turn around. They would turn their back on God. They would do evil. The Bible says here they did evil in the sight of the Lord, and therefore God allowed them to be turned into the hands of these Midianites who were their conquerors. And the hand of the Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sleep nor ox nor ass. So here they are. They've been taken over by these other people. They're living in, in caves in the side of the mountains. And here these people are destroying whatever crops that they can grow to try to, to have their livelihood from. They're just destroying them all. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. They're literally being overrun by their enemy. And Israel, listen, was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel, which... Hang on, I lost my place there. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land and I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. God says, look, 
I delivered you. We looked at that this morning when they were delivered out of bondage from Egypt. I delivered you out. I put you in a land where that, that you had everything that you needed. I said to you then and there that you didn't need to be afraid of these people and these false gods because I am the Lord your God. I told you to fear not those others. But guess what? You haven't obeyed my voice. Verse 11 says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abiazrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So here we go. We find that there came this angel of the Lord, and he came there, and he came to this one, which the Bible tells us who he is, this one who then's name is Gideon, who was threshing wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So here you've got the nation of Israel. They turn their back on God. God has brought judgment upon them. They've been overrun by the Midianites. Even their crops or their animals, everything is being overrun. The enemy has come in. He said, just like grasshoppers in the field, there's so many of them, they're just overrunning everything. In the midst of all this, there, these people have nothing. Here's this man called Gideon, and he's out there threshing wheat. And the Bible says he is hiding it from the enemies. Then, verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, why in the earth? He's here amongst a people that have disobeyed God, that have turned their back on God, that have been overrun under God's judgment under other people, that literally they're an impoverished people that the Bible says. Yet here's this guy out there just working hard and working away, and he's threshing this wheat, and he's hiding it so that the enemy can't get to it, so that they've got something to eat. And this angel of the Lord appears to him, and he says, the Lord is with thee. The mighty man of valor. What had he done to be a mighty man of valor? Well, as we said, the Lord knew everything about him. But what does the Lord show us here? Well, notice what he does next. And I think that we see the first key to it. He says, And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? <laughs> Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. God comes to this one called Gideon. And he says, Gideon, the Lord is with you you mighty man of valor. Well, Gideon asked him the questions. Well, 
if the Lord's with us, it sure doesn't seem like it. Look at what's going on around us here. Looks to me like the people have gotten what they deserve because God has forsaken them because they turned their back on you. But I want you to know that when the Lord looks at him and the Lord says, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? I mean, Gideon must have had some thought, real thoughts going through his head at that time. What in the world? And he said, my Lord, what am I going to save Israel with? Don't you understand? Don't you see who you're talking to? Why, I just come from a, from a poor family in Manasseh, and I am the very least even of those in my father's house. I come from a poor family in a divided tribe, and I'm the very least of all of those. Gideon may not on the outside certainly have looked like a very promising leader. He was of this undistinguished tribe of Manasseh. That's, that's his background. That's who he was from. He wasn't from somebody that had great stature. <laughs> he wasn't from some great tribe that was doing great things. My family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least. My father's getting is saying that he's one of the most insignificant members of a poor, insignificant family from a very indistinguishable tribe. He's, I'm a nobody. I come from nowhere. This isn't a bunch of false humility. You see, I believe the first thing we see, remember God knew everything about him, but at this point, he had done nothing. He had been no great battle in, in any great battles and won any great battles and all this. When the Lord comes and says, you're a mighty man of valor. What we do say, though, is that when God came and say that, said that to Gideon, that he was talking to a man of true humility. Gideon didn't see himself as great. You see, it's what he felt from his heart. Lord, there's nothing special about me. You're talking about saving a nation at my hands? You're talking about saving the whole nation of Israel? Do you see who you're talking to? I'm not anybody. I don't come from anywhere special. But yet, God chose him. Why? Well, you know, that's exactly the kind of person that God is looking for. He tells us later in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, that God hath chosen the weak things, the base things, the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty. You see, God knew exactly what he was doing. We find if you look into chapter 7, I'm going to skip some verses, we'll come back, but chapter 7, verse 2, I want you to see that God knew exactly what he was talking about. It says, and the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vault themselves against me, saying, mine own hand hath saved me. Now we find as this account goes on that the Lord is really saying that he wants to save his people, but he wants to do it in a way that no man can take any credit for it. He wants to do it in a way with a person 
whereby only God can receive the glory for what is going on because he knows here, he says, look, I know these people given half a chance, they're gonna vault themselves. In other words, give them a chance and they're gonna take all the glory for themselves. Look what we did. We beat those Midianites down. They know better than to come against us. At that point later in the account, we find that that was after God literally was whittling down the ones that Gideon was already against insurmountable forces and God's whittling them down to where now there's only 300 of them that's going to go against these big crowd of warriors. You see, God's going to do it in a way that does look impossible. God is going to do it in a way, though, to where no man can take credit for it in whatever way. God is able at this point to greet Gideon with this salutation, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Because God knew that he was going to take this man, this man who in himself was about as unlikely a candidate as you could probably find. But because of what God already knew he was going to do through that insignificant man, he could already speak of the future as if it were the present. God was going to do something great through this man. And he was going to do it in a way that would bring glory to God and God alone and not to man. What is it about Gideon? that God saw that he could use to make him a mighty man of valor? Well, we'll never know everything that God saw and everything that God knew. But he's sharing some things about this man that we can see here. What were the qualities in Gideon that commended God to him, that commended him to God? Well, the first thing I see is humility. You see, God can't work with prideful people. He can't work with those who think that there's something within themselves. He can't work with those who thinks that they're something special, that they are in fact maybe God's gift to these people. But he can use humility. He can begin a work in one like Gideon here, a work of molding and making mighty men of valor out of those who realize that within themselves, they don't have the ability. Within themselves, they don't have the finances. Within themselves, they don't have the, the name and the backing and the support. But we find that God says, Gideon, the Lord is with you. Remember that. The Lord is with him. That's why he could be a great, mighty man of valor. First of all, I believe because of his humility. God begins by using the humble. But I believe there's something else here that we see that is worthy to be noted. Not only does it take humility, but I believe it takes hard work. That scares a lot of people, hard work. You see, what was it Gideon was doing here when the angel of the Lord, he was threshing wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. In other words, he wasn't just sitting by feeling sorry for himself. He wasn't sitting around waiting to, to see what somebody else was going to do. I mean, hey, they're impoverished. They got nothing to eat. 
Everything has been destroyed. He wasn't sitting back waiting to see what somebody else could do for it. He was a poor man from a poor household. And yet he was working hard. He was already doing what he could where he was for his people. He was hard at work. He was doing what he could with what he had to do with. You see, he may not have felt that he was anything special, but he was willing to use what he had. He was willing to use it for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the whole. He wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. He wasn't afraid of a little sweat, a little bit of hard work. may not seem like much as he makes clear in his conversation with the Lord. It may not seem like much, but he was doing what he could with the opportunity that he had before him. Maybe it was an impoverished time. Maybe he didn't have much and the people around him didn't have much. But he was willing to roll up his sleeves and get in there and to work hard and to do what he could do. It's often been said that if you really want something done, look for somebody that's already busy. (laughs) Not for somebody that's sitting around twirling their hair or twiddling their their fingers. (laughs) Because if they're not doing anything now, they're probably not going to do anything later. You see, Gideon was a humble man. He took no pride in who he was and what he had and what he could do. It shocked him when God said, Gideon, I'm going to use you. How in the world are you going to use me to save this people? Do you realize who you're talking to? Yes, I'm talking to a man that doesn't take pride in himself, who's humble. I'm talking to a man that's not afraid of hard work, that's willing to get busy and to do what he can. Maybe he could sit back and look for greater opportunities or look for an easier path or some better way to go it, but what he's doing, he knows. He knows that the greatest need that the people have at this time is food. They're an impoverished people. Their enemies have overrun them. So he is working hard. What was it? that made Gideon able to be used of God to be made into a mighty man of valor. Humility, hard work, but I see something else here too. You see, you need to realize something else. He lived in a time of great apostasy. We find that as we continue to read on down in this account, (laughs) he goes on and he says, verse 16 said, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You're going to just wipe out that whole people as if it was just one person, not as if it's a multitude. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not thence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. The flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. The angel of God said unto him, 
take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. When Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abbi Ezraites. It came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal and that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. Build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. And Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, listen, because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, who hath done this thing? When they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubal, saying that Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who was also gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and to Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of, a fleece of wool in the floor, and if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. You say, preacher, what do we see 
in all of that. Well, I see that this one that was looked upon by God himself with such distinguishing honor to be called a mighty man of valor in God's army, in God's service, we find that, first of all, we see his humility. Second, we see his hard work. But thirdly, I want you to see in this man honor. You see, he lived in such a time of apostasy when even his own father kept an altar to the god Baal. Everybody around him was worshiping the false gods of the land. Gideon alone was worshiping the true god. And he was greatly concerned as he looked around and he saw everything and he saw how bad that it was. He said there in verse 13, the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He says, this is the God's work. We've got what we deserve as a nation. This nation has turned its back on God. This nation has a bunch of false idols. They're worshiping the false gods. He knew they didn't deserve God's help. He knew that literally everyone around him had turned from the one true God that could save them. And they had their lives filled with the false idols. We see a burden for his people. But all that he had been able to do so far was to hide away a little bit of wheat to try to help feed them. To keep the, the enemies from taking that. But you see, God had greater things for him to do. But he needed a man of honor, a man of faithfulness, a man that was willing to stand for God, literally, when everybody around him had turned their backs. Before the Lord could use him, he needed him to put that faith into action, though. He had to take a step of honor. He had to do the honorable thing before God. You see, he had to be faithful in spite of everyone else. He had to do the thing which meant to literally destroy the family's idols and offer his own sacrifices to the one true God, even though he knew that when he did this, that his family and his neighbors were going to turn against him and probably kill him. Gideon. It took a man of great faith, a man of great honor, and yes, he had real fears. Here he is. He asked God twice. He uses the fleece. He wants to know, boy, I've got this thing right. I want to know that I'm doing what God says. You're going to do this thing. But God, I, I just can't see it. I can't see you using me. And I certainly don't see the people deserving it. God doesn't use the prideful. And God works by grace. <laughs> you see, God was using a man of humility a man that was willing to roll up his sleeves and work hard with what he had, to use what he had instead of complaining about what he didn't have. A man that was willing to stand honorably before God, even, even if his own family and all of his neighbors were going to turn on him, possibly take his life. Oh, God could use this man. God knew what he would do, but can we grasp and understand God was talking in the present because it was as good as already done because God knew the kind of man that he was calling to do this work, a man to save a nation. And that's what God was doing with Gideon. 
You see, in verse 14, what was that promise? And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Gideon, I'm the one that's sending you out there. Go in this thy might. His might was the very might of God. This was a mighty man of valor. He was a brave man that had to take a position of honor against everybody that was around him. But in order to do that, it took God's power through his life. And in, and in the end result of that was that God did use this man to save the entire nation, to save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And you can read on how God does that when he calls all these out and how that God whittles them down and how that in the end these, these 300 men go out there and they, 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 they blow the trumpet and they break the pitchers and they shout with a loud voice, the sword of the Lord into Gideon. <laughs> That's kind of a silly way to fight a battle, isn't it? <laughs> Not when it's in this thy might. And it's the Lord's might that you're going in. You see, I'm saying today that God can use men like Gideon, women like Gideon. He can use those that can be mighty for God, but yet give God all the glory. In order to do that, I think that we must begin like him in that place of Humility, not to be used of God because of what we have, <laughs> not because of where we're from, not because of what we can do, not because of our prosperity, not because of our education, but rather because of who he is, because of what he can do. I believe that we've got to become a nobody with nothing except being faithful to God. We've got to follow the example of Gideon. As long as we think that we can save the people and we can do this for them, then we're never going to be able to be used of God. When we realize that we don't have anything to do the job with and the people don't deserve God to do the job, then God can take us and God can use us from a place of humility, hardworking, industrious, not a lazy people sitting back and waiting for somebody else to do it, complaining that we can't do it, complaining that it's, that it's too hard, complaining that what we do do, we don't see anything from it. But somebody that's willing to roll up their sleeves and go to work using whatever they have, using it faithfully. God, being able to take, do with that what he would. Humility, hard work, honor. Despite, as we look around us today, all of the apostasy and the apathy that we see around us, having a burden for God's truth, being willing to, to do what we can of putting away every false idol of the mind, acknowledging that it's only the sacrifice of the Lord that is sufficient, 
There is no compromise when it comes to sin and apostasy. None. There are many things in this life we might say, well, a little compromise goes a long ways. That's the problem. A little compromise with sin will take you a long ways. But that's not a ways that you want to go. You don't need to go the way that sin is taking you. We need to act with honor. We need to take a stand for the Lord and upon truth. Maybe, just maybe, if we can grasp some of these simple truths, quit trying to make the Christian walk something out there somewhere, but let it be personal. Let God's Word work in our lives and do something with us. Whether the world ever sees it or not, it doesn't matter. The world may never come, Brother Steve, and pin a badge of honor upon you for your valor, for your bravery. But you know, we're not talking about an honor that's seen in this world. We're talking about when God sees you, and it's God that can call you a mighty person of valor, a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor, of bravery for him. That's all that really matters is what God sees in us and that he has a mighty people of valor that he can use for his glory. You see, it's only when the odds are impossible. It's only when it looks like that it's insurmountable. It's only when it's absolutely clear that we can't do it that then God can do it in a way that he receives all the glory for us. We can look around at our city. We can look around at our community, and we can talk about how hard it is and how difficult it is and how challenging it is. I'm just saying look to the Lord. It's the Lord. You see, I hope that you know like I know that I am in this place because this is where God put me. This is the path that God has for me. And if God has you here, I hope you know that certainty. This is the path God has for you right now. He's the one that's going with us. Are we willing, though we're nothing ourselves, to trust the God of heaven, to do something for a people that don't deserve it, and to do it in a way that is clear for all the world to see that we didn't do it, but that God did it. And he gives the glory. We need some mighty men of valor, some mighty women of valor, some mighty Christians of valor in our day. And I believe these are the simple places where that at least it can start. But a lot of other things that God can do, and God knows, but he shows us these things clearly about this one called Gideon in these few verses from his word. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, it's easy for us sometimes to be on the side where we are looking at the impossible. Boy, it sure would have been easy for Gideon. I mean, they were overrun by the enemy. There seemed to be no hope. They didn't even have food to put on the table. They were an impoverished people. Their, their crops were being destroyed. Their, their livestock were being destroyed. Yet he was taking what little he could. <coughs> he was fighting against the enemy. He was hiding that wheat away so that at least there was some food there for his people. God had a greater job for him. 
God used his humility, this one that didn't see himself as anything great, but he honored a great God. This one that was willing to use what he had, where he was at, do what he could. This one that was willing to take a stand for God in the face of family, friends, all those around. In fact, in the face of them turning against him and even crying out for his death, he took a stand for God's truth. He destroyed those idols. He brought the sacrifice to the only one that truly matters. So, Father, I pray that you would help us this evening to be a people that you could use in such a way in our day, in our time, for your glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. 